Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we have a very special guest here today to talk about a very cool topic. But uh, Chris, uh, sorry, Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated joins us today. Connor, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Uh, outstanding article. Uh, it made my day the other day about the Ravens, and it's entitled uh, How the Ravens Are Fleecing the NFL Again, uh, and uh, really talks about how the Ravens have used contrarianism to a good degree, to, to beat the league in a number of ways. But Connor, I, I kind of want to let people uh, hear it from you in terms of uh, what your theory is here. Well, I just think it's really smart. I mean, you know, we were talking for one about just what we'd seen in the wide receiver market, for example. And I think what's really interesting is all these teams are going out and they are overpaying for one position as sort of a market reaction to a handful of deals. And what the Ravens have done generally is, you know, they sort of view these things as as instances that they can sit out and almost replace in the aggregate with cheaper parts. So in the example of the wide receiver, right, it's like, okay, we can go out and we can pay Christian Kirk $18 million, or we can realize that wide receivers don't really like playing in this offense. Our quarterback isn't really that great at getting the ball to wide receivers. He's really good at other things. Um, he's better at getting the ball to tight ends. Tight ends do more for your team than wide receivers do, and they cost half as much. So why don't we just get a bunch of really great tight ends, and then we'll figure it out from there? Because a pass, 10-yard pass to a tight end, 10-yard pass to your wide receiver, the exact same thing. Um, and I think they've done really smart things like that over the course of time where, I mean, you look back at their greatest players in modern franchise history, they're inside linebackers, safeties, interior offensive linemen, special teams players. You build the core of a championship roster off of players that are not necessarily coveted at a high level by other franchises. And you just, you make the team better by association with those players instead of the reverse, right? So you can get a good guard 
or a center in this case, like they did in the draft, and he makes your guards and your tackles better instead of spending $23 million a year on a left tackle to make your guard and your center better. It works both ways, um, but teams have just done it the other way for years. You know, you can get, you can jump into the cornerback market and pay a crazy premium right now for ball coverage, or you can recognize the fact that the safety market is so depressed that you can get Kyle Hamilton at 14, you can get Marcus Williams for $15 million a year, and again, you make up for the lapses in coverage through your scheme. And I think it's just something that's just so smart. And, you know, I understand the complaints from Ravens fans. Well, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? And my argument is I think that the front office just understands the team better than, and they have a more intimate relationship with what they're able to do. And I, I just think they're running circles around the league right now in terms of administrative inner workings. I mean, we all know about the mid round pick thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they've been doing that for a decade. Um, but I, there's just so many examples of them sort of a step ahead of everyone else. And the complaint I hear from Ravens fans all the time is, well, how does that translate? We've only won one playoff game, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. My argument is you've had a top three most efficient offense since this experiment started in 2018, top seven most efficient defense since this started in 2018. You've had some injury issues. You've had some bad luck. Um, but over that period of time, the amount of success is it speaks for itself. And, you know, this argument that, well, we need a game-breaking this or that or the other thing, it's just disproven. I mean, you know, and I think that the Ravens, if they keep just chipping away and doubling down at what they're really good at instead of trying to be like everyone else, then I think we're going to stay in a good spot here. Yeah, they've, they've done a marvelous job with that over the years. And if you look at the other franchises that are following suit right now, particularly with wide receivers, and you obviously laid out a complex set of points there, but um, it, you know, the Packers, the Chiefs, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's, the, it's the franchises who have had long-term understanding of winning that have, have really been following along and saying, you know what, if you're going to give me that much for a Tyreek Hill and I have to re-sign him anyway and I'm going to spend that much, well, you got it. He's yours. Uh, Devontae Adams, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different move on that, on that, uh, uh, front as well. And I think the Packers certainly have proven over time. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and two, it's, uh, I think it's a vote of confidence, right. For, for your scheme. And I think that that kind of elevates everybody in the organization, whereas you're not undermining anybody. And I think that in the case of green Bay, um, we saw Tennessee do it too, by trading AJ Brown, um, what you're doing is you're, you're sort of saying to everybody else, like, hey, we believe in what you guys are doing. Um, not necessarily that you're the product of a scheme, but, hey, what we're doing here works. And it doesn't it doesn't necessarily require one exact person to make this work. We can make up for it in other ways with cheaper talent. And if we do that, everybody else here gets paid more money. And I think that that's something that everybody wants. You know, um, the idea that, you know, I think everybody's r- super obsessed with the Rams and the Buccaneers and the way that they built those rosters. But it's impossible to do without a lot of other things to have before that. I mean, both of these franchises were sort of had a decent foundation and then went so all in on this idea. They happened to catch a generational quarterback somewhere along the line in free agency. It's just not a sustainable replicable building plan. And Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. Patrick Mahomes isn't available. You know, Josh Allen, all these guys are going to stay. I don't see any other big sort of monolith quarterback, leaving anytime soon and so in the absence of that 
you have to get to know your team better and you have to get creative. And I think that the good franchises do that. I actually kind of resent the way the Rams did it. If the Ravens did, I'd be very unhappy as a season ticket holder, as a person who goes to the games. It's just a, even a person. If I was sitting on my couch every Sunday watching, I want to know that my team has a good chance to win. And I much prefer the steady Eddie approach of uh, trying to build a winner every year, trying to get into the playoffs every year, always being relevant in that discussion. And then when you get in, you've got a chance. Yeah. And the, the, you know, the, the 2000 team was, was they built a dominant team. The 2012 team, they just built a lottery ticket mm-hmm. team and they won with it. Uh, you know, so it's, I, I, I also think it's enormously unfair the way that Twitter and other social media platforms have bashed the Ravens for basically what amounts to four games when every other game they've, they, you know, they played, they've had tremendous success rate at. Yeah, I agree. Um, and to your point, like, I mean, you could make the analogy anywhere. I mean, perhaps what's going on, you know, right now, but it's, it's almost like, and listen, I mean, less need is with the Rams, Jason light, they're going to be able to retire and say, I want a Super Bowl," and no one can take that away from them. And that is something you get to have for the rest of your life. I would argue that, you know, and maybe the fans don't care about this either, but I would argue that it's much like, you know, juicing the economy. Right. And then at some point we're going to have to pay for that with the recession. And, you know, uh, your fan base, if you're in Los Angeles or in Tampa Bay, is eventually going to have to pay for that. You know, with Baltimore, if you allowed them to stay and I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson is replaceable, but what you looked at, what his backups were able to do last year and come in and contribute right away. I think it's just a more sustainable approach, right? And I think that, like the Steelers, you're going to have a winning record every year. You're going to be in the playoffs hunt every year. And once you get into the tournament, you get into the tournament, and you see what happens. Um, I I like more chances at the tournament than building everything up for, hey, if we don't do this, then we're screwed, you know? So, so is that part of the problem here with social media, with, with general fan expectations that – too many people are Super Bowl or bust. I personally, I'm lottery ticket or bust. Get into the playoffs and see what happens. I, that's what I want every year. I want to be one of the top 12 teams or 14 or however many teams make the playoffs these days uh, in the NFL. Uh, but I, I, maybe making the divisional round is a reasonable goal in terms of being one of the final eight that are, that are standing. I, I think you know, starting with the expectation that you're going to win the Super Bowl and you know, using that as a yardstick against any of the players or the team's choices is just silliness. I think so, too. I mean, it's like, um, you know, would you judge uh, – it's not exactly the same thing, right? But would you judge a great college basketball coach on the number of NCAA tournaments won? No, because mm-hmm. the tournament is such a ridiculous, like, steeplechase of odds and different things happening. And the NFL postseason tournament is almost the same way where, you know, how weird is it that, you know, look at the Bengals, for example. I mean, that mm-hmm. team is just, you know – how many interceptions, how many balls had to bounce the right way, how many things had to happen. And that's not necessarily the mark of a perfectly built franchise. That's just a mark of a team that was on the beneficial end of a few circumstances. And I think that there's going to be a year that that happens for the Ravens that everyone's going to say, oh my gosh, well, it's of course, it's because Rashad Bateman's good now. No, it's because another team fumbled in the fourth quarter and they got the ball and, you know, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. that's always how it's been. I mean, and, you know, to say... It's crazy to me that, like, this is how Bill Belichick built the Patriots dynasty. And everyone is like, well, uh, by just using the same kind of philosophies, zigging when everyone else is zagging, accumulating a wealth of a middle class of talent and winning more than you're losing. And, okay, you just also happen to have the greatest quarterback of all time. There's only one of them. And so, 
you're following the same blueprint. You're following the same plan. And I still think Baltimore is going to make the playoffs almost every year. Um, and one of these years, they're going to get the requisite bounces. And so, you know, I would rather be in the playoffs every year and then win the Super Bowl than win the Super Bowl once and then for the next 10 years not have a first-round draft pick and sit around talking about how much that stinks, you know? Yeah, I agree with that all the way. Um, let's go back to the draft pick because that's where a lot of the, 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 the focus of the article is. And uh, compensatory picks were mentioned in a big way, and obviously Ravens and Ravens fans just love compensatory picks. And, and, and uh, I've dealt with that. The sixth, fourth-round picks – Obviously, a very cool thing. Uh, you probably saw the thing by Peter King mm-hmm. when, when he was embedded with the with the Ravens. It was a it was a it was a great piece. But um, the Ravens honestly start with less draft capital than most teams. In fact, they've had less draft capital than most teams. That's something that's forgotten in that because they have a lot of picks. Is that they start with so little draft capital because their first round pick is usually towards the end of the round. Yeah, and I remember, you know, I used to cover the Giants um, as a beat reporter on a day to day basis, and their complaint when when that whole you know not dynasty, but you know two Super Bowls in in, in a, you know a very short window of time there, um, 2007 2011, and their complaint was, well, it all fell apart because we were picking so late. I mean, the Ravens just throw that argument on their head because it's like, you know, we don't need a high first round pick to make this work. We need to understand our team and we just need more cracks at filling the gaps with cheap talent. And they've done it in so many ways. And I know, you know, before this, we talked a little bit about some of the varying strategies, but it's not just, you know, it's not just compensatory picks. It's, you know, for a long time. And and I don't know if this is a a strategy that they actually utilized, but at least from my own viewpoint, they were nailing small school players when nobody was mm-hmm. putting an emphasis on scouting small school players. And so it's like, okay, nobody's spending the money to go out there. It's the same person, like not, not the same person, right? But it's, it's the same body, right? It's a 6'6", 330 pound offensive lineman. Doesn't matter that he went to Wyoming or to St. Anselm. No, we're just going to send the guy there and we're going to understand him as a person. And if he fits, he fits. And, I just think it was such a smart idea and they're just, it's all these little tiny edges that build up over time that I think it's, you know, whether you want to credit solely the analytics department or not, it's an example of a team that's just, uh, like I said before, I think just running circles intellectually around a lot of other teams in the NFL. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And, and the small school scouting is one thing that I thought DaCosta would be even more dominant at once he became the guy. Because we did see a lot of Power 5 uh, draft picks from Ozzy, And DaCosta had brought in some guys over the year that were his guy. Uh, Brandon Williams, a good example, was a small school guy. Lardarius Webb, a small school guy. Um, and, and they certainly had got those. Um, but I thought they would have more with DaCosta. And it's actually been less. You know, COVID, yeah. COVID, yeah. And I think what's what's also interesting there is, like, they, I would assume, and I think this is true of a lot of smart GMs, you kind of see the pack behind you, right? So if you're going heavy on small school, and then everyone says, oh, gosh, look at that, and then they are all at that pro day, you notice it if you're the Ravens and say, okay, edge is out. Everybody's over here. Now we're going to go over there. And I think that they're kind of just in the process of going somewhere else right and whether that's i mean i I have no idea what that could be right and i'm sure we're going to see a ton of hbcus scout over scouted now because the talent pool is increasing maybe they're there maybe it's international you know but it's you know all these different things that i think that they're just kind of the next they're just already out ahead of their opponent somewhere 
Yeah, international, there's a there's a nice idea. I mean, the Ravens going back in history have just a remarkable deal with this. I, pr- I promise I won't try and mention this too much, but the cheap dimeback strategy to me is was one of the hallmarks of the Ozzie Newsome era. He never paid over a sixth round pick for a dimeback. Mm-hmm. And you get those guys uh, and, and, you know, include some really good players that a lot of players outside, a lot of people outside of Baltimore organization don't really know about. But Chad Williams, Corey Harris, who was on the 2000 team, uh, Anthony Levine had the best dime back year by a Raven in, in their history in 2018. And then Chuck Clark turned around right away. And all these guys, sixth round pick, cheap UDFAs, uh, sorry, UDFAs, cheap um, uh, free agent pickups. And what it allowed them to do is not only have a really good coverage asset on the field on the highest leverage downs, which is critical, mm. but also they get to split the job at weak side linebacker to two players that they can probably pay half as much in total by having these specialists. And I just, you know, that was something they were so far ahead of the league on. And I don't think the league has caught up yet on that particular one. They've been doing it for 25 years and, and uh, really it's been all, all that time. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting about the, you know, it's funny to me how, like in baseball, for example, one of my coworkers wrote this thing that like, basically there's a lot of lazy GMs who are just watching the Rays all the time. And they're like, okay, well, what are the Rays doing? Okay, copy that. Do what they're doing now and figure that out. Why did it take the NFL 10 years to figure out compensatory picks? <laughs> and so I, I'm sure that there's stuff that Baltimore is doing that we're not going to see commonplace in the NFL for another half a decade you know i i would be willing to bet that we're going to see a in a growth of lamar jackson type offenses at some mm-hmm. point you know especially now that we're switching it's going to be dominant to high shell it's going to be so hard for the dolphins to use tyree kill it's going to be really hard for the raiders to use Devontae adams the way that they want to cover three is gone um and what really dominates a defense where you're dropping seven guys into coverage is a powerful running game. And I think that we're going to see the shift towards what Baltimore is doing. Maybe in a couple of years, Baltimore changes, right? And starts going five wide. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> it, you know, that to me is the kind of attitude where it's like, I can't believe there aren't more teams just like kind of riding their coattails and, and sort of trying to copy what they do on a regular basis. Yeah, they always say certainly that it's a uh, it's a copycat league, and the the Ravens do some of these things that contrarian things are done out of necessity, I think, and others they they do. I mean, the bargain basement free agent shopping. I, I my theory is that that it actually you overpay by the most at the beginning of free agency, and you can address your needs there, but it's almost like the draft in terms of need versus value or competing with each other. Uh, that's definitely true in the draft and in free agency. I think it's true also because, you know, need or perceived need is dictating a lot of the higher prices that occur at the beginning of free agency. And then as that trails out, you get better and better value as you're willing to accept um, uh, someone lower in the, in the bargain bin. I've, I've really appreciated that as a Ravens fan. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, I mean, you look at the kind of the, whether it was, you know, John Brown for a little bit, or some of the mm-hmm. complimentary wide receivers that they've had over the years, Willie Sneed, any of those guys, they're making next to nothing. And, you know, you're paying now the going rate for like Hunter Renfro is $16 million. <laughs> and, you know, what you what was Willie Sneed costing, like a million five or something like that? Probably, A sixteenth yeah. of Hunter Renfro. And, uh, you know, I whoever Baltimore had in that, you know, that kind of rotating cast of guys, like 
they're never going to pay a slot $16 million because it's just silly. Um, and I think it's smart, right? It just shows that like, Hey, we're going to wait out the free agent market. We're just going to grab a, we're going to grab a guy that fills a need and, and does something. And I think what's really interesting about the wide receiver position in particular, when you have tight ends, like the Ravens have, all you need are guys to just make the defense act in the way you need them to. Right. So you don't need, Odell Beckham or, you know, uh, Jamar Chase or whatever it is, because defenses have to cover a wide receiver no matter who it is. If it's you and I, they have to cover us, you know, uh, maybe not you and I, but. Uh, <laughs> well, we don't draw a single coverage yeah, we, every yeah, play, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but still, they have to de- devote a person to that guy. And it's almost like, you know, electric football. You take one guy and you just remove someone from the conversation. That's all they need wide receivers for. It doesn't really matter. And so I think that they understand that. It's a tight end driven offense. And so you're going to pay your tight ends. Um, you're going to draft your tight ends. And then the receivers you just get for a million, two million, and you're not going to spend. You know, I don't see how that market crashes because that's the going rate right now. Uh, Terry McLaurin, I think, just before we started uh, um, talking, signed for like three years and 71 million or something crazy. Like Holy mackerel. So they're getting less, they're getting shorter term contracts, closer to fully guaranteed. Um, you know, it's, and it's just ludicrous and they're going to sit that out and they're going to be way healthier as an organization as a result. All right. Well, really happy that, uh, that, that they're doing that as a, uh, as a franchise. So outstanding points here, Connor, the, the article's great. I really loved it. Uh, just talking to you in person and, and hearing you bring the pieces together even better. Uh, we really appreciate you having you on. Where can folks talk football with you? Yeah. Uh, I, well, I close, I closed off the DMS. Uh, you guys ruined that, but we can, uh, you always shoot me a tweet on Twitter and I'll, uh, I'll message anybody. Um, and, uh, or, uh, you know, si.com we're at the MM, the MMQB at gmail.com. Drop us a line there. We read that all the time. Uh, our, cause we don't have comments on the website. I think that that's kind of like for our own, uh, mental health, but, uh, so, um, but we like all of our emails. We actually have a lot of, uh, frequent emailers, uh, people that come in with, with a lot of really good points. So, um, shoot me a tweet, I'll find it. Uh, and I'll send you a message back, uh, send me an email. I'm always, uh, I'm always looking. So. All right. Outstanding. I've, I've been able to leave DMs open. I'm a lot less popular as a, as a analyst, but uh, other folks out there who'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open. 25 minute topic is ideal. Make it narrow folks about the Ravens and we'll get into it in some significant depth in that period of time. Connor, thanks again for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time on film study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.